0: Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. This platform is designed to share coaches, leaders, and influencers' journeys and experiences. Hope you're inspired by them so that you can serve others better and inspire them as well. Today's guest is Michael Madrid. Coach Madrid is the head coach of the women's program at Texas A&M Kingsville. We talked to him today about having a selfless mentality, about being around quality people, learning who you can trust to have courage, and about representation and diversity. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Coach Madrid, I appreciate you coming on, man, spending some time with us and sharing your perspective and your story with us it really is important that, you know, more and more coaches get to either uh, tell their story, talk about their journey because it's inspiration for others. And and it also gives, uh, you know, in a world, especially right now where everybody wants to demonize other people, uh, I'm looking to humanize people with this platform. And I think we do a good job of that. So here again, man, it, it's, it's bigger than basketball. So thank you for being on. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. I, I love what you're doing, and I uh, just appreciate the opportunity to
1: speak with you, and just blessed that you considered uh,
0: speaking with me as well. Yeah, fantastic. Coach, now, I start off like I always do, and how were you introduced to the game of basketball?
1: And, it, you know, I'm, I'm a resident from Portales, New Mexico, so that's a, mm-hmm. that's a small town in eastern New Mexico. Single parents, household, grew up with just my mother, and, you know, I think I was just one of those kids that was a little hyperactive and my mom was just trying to find things for me to do. And so, you know, any chance she could get to enroll me in Pee Wee League football or, you know, Pee Wee League basketball, there was even a a summer track program that we had there to keep uh, kids involved. And, you know, as you join these programs and you get involved and you get to know different coaches and and you get to befriend uh, other people in the community um, you know, you just sort of learn to, to love the game. And so as I grew up, basketball was was something that I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed playing. I enjoyed going to the park and, and playing by myself. I can vividly remember for Christmas getting one of those little Nerf basketball goals, you know, <laughs> that you put up on the, on the back of your uh, your door. And I yeah, would put that yeah. thing up. And uh, This is probably a funny story, maybe a little embarrassing, but being an only child, you know, you have to have a, a, an imagination. So wow. I would get the phone book and I would pick, cities or towns in new mexico and i would make a 64 tournament bracket Whoa. and literally would, <laughs> <one> on, <laughs> literally would play one on literally would play one on oh uh and go all the way down through the championship and uh, wow. somehow some way portalis would be the national champion every single year nice. but uh nice. man i can remember just doing that and uh just really fell in love uh you know just had some amazing people around me that, that helped guide me as well that I can never thank enough but that's really how I got involved in basketball and of course through junior high and, and high school it's just something that you did in a small town
0: yeah no coach nothing embarrassing about that I was always in the backyard playing for Texas A&M uh, you know <laughs> nice. to win the game with free throws because I missed the jump shot so somebody had to have fouled me <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, lie, I kid you not, man. I was back there and I'd be five, four, 3'2", 1. I'd miss it. Oh, yeah. but he got fouled. So he gets two free throws and, you know, it, it, miss one funny, of them. Man. Yeah, miss one of them and call lane violation. And then. There, you you, you know. had to find a way to win. You had to
1: find a way to win, you know? And, uh, <laughs> hey, it's funny. I walk through stores now and I see those Nerf goals and I still think back on those days of being in my room all by myself, yeah. and sweating. Yeah. Yeah. And,. Uh, you know, the best thing about it is I don't even think I ever took water breaks, man. I think I just went game for <laughs> <to>
0: game. <laughs> Iron Man, Iron Man. That's awesome, man. Like, yeah. never, I never needed a sub. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. I was an only child for nine and a half years, man. So I I, I can completely relate. The uh, Good times, man. Really good times. Now, Coach, who or what influenced you to go into the coaching profession?
1: You know, what's amazing is is I honestly had no desire to coach. I, uh, I went to college in my hometown at Eastern New Mexico and had this idea that I wanted to be an accountant. And so, you know, started my accounting degree. I was into it. I was actually into the third year of accounting and I get a phone call from, uh, the high school coach there at my old high school, who was my JV coach, Scott Parker. And back then in New Mexico, there was a little bit of a teacher shortage so you could contract coaches for just a stipend. Yeah, And you know, this was 1995 and he called me and asked me if I wanted to coach the freshman team. And initially I said, absolutely not. I have no desire <laughs> to coach. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, how about $2,000? Well, in 95, $2,000 was a lot of money, you for know, sure. for me, yeah. poor college student. And, uh, you know, it, that really is ultimately what got me into the profession well once I got involved in, and uh, you know you got to understand a lot of my old high school coaches were still coaching at the time yeah and now I got a little bit to be behind the scenes with the coaching staffs to see the way they mingled with one another to see the way they they worked with one another and to be honest with you, you know, when you're a high school student and they're always on you and they're always on you and they're trying to get you to do the right thing, you don't really understand what their purpose is. Yeah. And, and as I started getting on that side of the fence, I started realizing these are some solid people and it really made me understand what they were trying to do for me and, and everybody else that I was playing sports with. And yeah. so I think just having quality high school coaches that really pushed you and loved on you and wanted you to just be the best who you were really helped me make this decision. And then once I got a taste of coaching that first year, man, it was it was over. I <laughs> I changed my degree to special education, got a minor in history and P E and ended up getting bumped up to the J D job the next year, a little more stipend. I think I was making thirty five hundred that year, so I was pretty excited nice. about that. Um but you know, just I think high school coaches that that really heavily influenced me I didn't understand it at the time but when I got a chance to coach and be on that side it really it really changed my perspective and I knew ultimately it was what I wanted to do and I, I can't even today I tell people I don't know why what else I could do right now that mm-hmm. make me as happy as I am and, and you hear coaches say this all the time but it's true I I don't ever feel like I get up and go to work you know yeah, and, and that true. I think when you're in a position like that then you know ultimately you've you've chosen the right path
0: yeah no you're you're saying so much coach in that uh being part of the people business that coaching is and and it's made up of a lot of quality people and being in the education system sometimes uh coaches are looked at as you know jocks like yeah if you're the jock coach and you don't really care about education and you don't care about the kids other than can they give their blood, sweat and tears for you on the field, the court or wherever the plane surfaces. And yet you came to realize that, man, these are solid people all the way around. You know, we, we talk about now. Nowadays, we talk about holistic approaches and stuff like that. And that sounds really good. It's, it's a really cool buzzword to use and it sounds so organic and all that but the reality is we had coaches in our lives like that. You know, you being younger and, and maybe didn't, we didn't realize it till later, but we knew, uh, then we could become that emulate them, imitate them, how you, however you want to put it. Uh, but yeah, that's a great reason to get into the, to the profession, man. It really is. Cause yeah, yeah, there's sure. nothing like it, like you said.
1: Well, and, and the fact that, you know, you can still have relationships with those guys. I mean, I could pick up the mm-hmm. phone right now yeah. and call any one of those coaches and, yeah. and talk to them. And, yeah. uh, You know, I've even gotten to where when when our season starts now, I always give all those coaches a shout out, um, you know, thanking them for everything that they ever did for me. And and hopefully that's the same thing that I'm doing for other people right now.
0: Yeah. No, that's fantastic. because you never want to forget those who helped you, you know, get to where you're at. Nobody gets anywhere on their own. Uh, you, You may start off at third base, but somebody helped you get there, you know, but nobody gets there on their own. Everybody has somebody to help and that's a great coach. Now I want to ask you about your first, you know, experience as a coach. Do you have any, like one moment where it was like, Whoa, this is, this is coaching now. It's uh this is crazy. or any any memorable moments during your first experience as a coach?
1: You know, there's so many, um, hmm. you know, I, I coached high school boys. So when I first got into it, I was coaching high school boys and I did that for 10 years, but the thing that will always stick out to me is not necessarily when I started coaching boys, but when I got on the collegiate side, which was at Lubbock Christian university, I was fortunate enough to get hired on as a GA there. And, um, so back then at, at, at Lubbock Christian, they had a JV team mm-hmm. and, you know, that was really more maybe for enrollment driven purposes. I think these young ladies got like a thousand dollar scholarship to play JV basketball. yeah, And so I had to, I coached them that season and, and, Man, you got to understand, our schedule was 12. It was a 12 game schedule, two JV games against Wayland Baptist JV, but the other 10 games were against junior college teams. And
0: yeah. it was
1: Region 5 whackjack. So it Whoa. was South Plains that year, I think, was ranked in the top five in the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hobbs, New uh, Mexico Junior yeah. College, was ranked by Odessa, had Amari Stoudemire's little sister on the team. I think they ended up winning the national championship that year. Wow! And so, you know, I'm this arrogant, you know, I, I, I can win games just with my coaching thinking, you know, that I'm, <laughs> uh, I had six players on my team and only three had ever played varsity basketball. And wow. so, um, we get in a, our very first game was at New Mexico junior college in Hobbs, New Mexico. So I go get I rent a minivan, all six of us jump in the van and we're headed down to Hobbs, New Mexico. And I'm just confident, arrogant. Thinking this isn't that big of a deal, you know. Game starts, Mike, and they press us for forty straight minutes. And <laughs> man. here, here I am thinking I'm going to coach myself out of this, and I'm calling a timeout every thirty seconds, trying to you know <laughs> talk through press offenses and this and that. And it, man, it, it is something I'll never forget. And our possessions basically went like this: they would score and start pressing we couldn't get the ball inbounds and we'd get a five second count or we'd get the ball inbounds, turn it over. They'd make a layup or we'd get across half court, have a shot clock violation. You know, it, we couldn't score. I think we ended up losing like 110 to 20. It was, Whoa. it was almost a hundred points. And yeah. the craziest thing about it is, you know, Me, who I am, the way I'm built, man, I was up coaching from the opening tip to the end, and I'll never forget. I think it was like the last 45 seconds. I'm standing there, arms crossed, and one of the officials comes up and stands next to me and says, Coach, I have a lot of respect for you standing up and coaching this entire game. And I remember thinking, what did I get myself into? I have no (laughs) idea what I'm doing. And it was hilarious. I remember driving back to Lubbock and Coach Gomez (laughs) calls me i think he thought i was going to drive the minivan off the highway because i was you know just (laughs) upset or distraught but Uh, i I will never ever forget that and it was one of the most humbling experiences of my life yeah but i learned so much in those 40 minutes just about being humbled and the crazy thing is i still talk to all those players that played on that team and that was in 2005 so um man that was talk about baptism as a college coach that was it right there
0: by fire yeah <laughs> yeah man that's uh you know you bring uh, i love how you've been so transparent about how your thoughts and your feelings of, at that time it, it kind of reminds me i was watching an interview with don showalter of usa basketball and he's he's talking to fran for about over coaching and, and not teaching enough and i think you know, the influence that coaches actually have or the impact, I should say, on the game. Some of us think we truly control what's going on out there and we don't. And and I think that's a caution, what you just gave was a cautionary tale for anybody listening that still has that mentality to uh, humble yourself before you're humbled because we've all been on the wrong side of a, you know, woodshed butt whooping. And, you know, I, I think that's, you know, I'll never. You don't forget those games. I, oh, I might. I've I've forgotten games that where I got a trophy at the end of the deal, or, or a plaque or something. But I didn't. I don't forget those shellackings. and uh, they always serve as a reminder. Don't ever think you've got anything figured out. You know, keep working. On,
1: absolutely, absolutely. I'm telling you, I, I learned so much from that. Here's the funny story behind that. Also, is the assistant coach at New Mexico Junior College at that time was a uh, a coach named Beth Ulrichson. Well now it's Beth Gilson and she is the head coach at Texas Women's University. Yeah. Well after Damn. I left yeah, after I left L C U, Beth hired me as her assistant for three years at TWU and nice. I never I never talked to her about that Uh, experience she probably doesn't remember it but I'm telling you (laughs) it's something I'll never forget because it really it really put a lot into perspective for me
0: fantastic coach I appreciate you sharing that because yeah that is a humbling moment and here again I'll reiterate it because it's so important humble yourself before something humbles you you know it's it's, it's easier to respond to a situation when you have a humbleness about you because then you won't react and you can stay even keel and calm. So I want to ask you, Coach, because you've been a part of multiple programs, you know, at the junior college level, at the Division One level, and now at the Division Two level. So what is the culture, Coach, that you look to set up and build in your programs? You know, the biggest thing with, with the
1: culture that, that we're trying to build here, and really everywhere I've ever been, is, is we want everybody within our program to have a selfless mentality Mm. for everything to be about the program, to be about the team, to be about someone else, and for it to not necessarily just be about you. And, you know, I I was fortunate enough to work for Steve Gomez at Love of Christian for five years. And he, in my mind, is easily one of the top three coaches in the country. And, you know, coaches will say all the time, you know, nothing is, Everything is stolen. Everything is stolen. Well, I will be the first one to tell anybody who asks me, everything I've ever done, everywhere I've ever been, is I've tried to mirror Coach Gomez and what he has done there at Love of Christian. Now, I will never get that close, but if we can get close enough, then we're pretty lucky. But. You know, we just we want to recruit players that have a selfless mentality that understand, you know, it's bigger than them, that it's about us, that they can accept their role and embrace their role and understand what their role is. But also with the you know understanding that roles can change as well for various reasons. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, one, one of our, our biggest hashtag and our motto here is have courage. And we yeah. talk to our players all the time about, you know, what does courage mean? And so for us, it means a lot of things, you know, being vulnerable, being able to express yourself, you know, when, when you know, it's hard for us as human beings to talk about things and, and you know, to voice when we're troubled. And, and that's one of the things that we want to empower these young women in our program is, hey, come in and talk to us. If there's something that you need to talk to Coach Weaver about, my assistant, then do that. If it's me, then do that, you know. Standing up for what you believe in, you know. Yeah. I think especially now in our society, being able to stand up for what you believe in, but be able to do it in a way that you know you can have a conversation without somebody getting upset. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, fighting true. fighting for what you believe in. Yeah. Um, you know, doing everything with passion, with heart, everything that you do, whether it's academics, whether it's a relationship, whether it's practice. And so we just are constantly trying to instill these these values and these ideals in our players and in our programs. And we talk about it through the recruiting process. And I'm telling you, man, this is our second year here at Kingsville and this group of young women that we have surrounded us right now, they, they really have, have embraced uh, this idea and we've enjoyed being around them. And so we're, we're excited about the direction this program's going and, and, and excited about the young women that are currently in our program. Um, but just always looking to you know, add value to our program and to that mentality is, is kind of what we're looking at
0: as we talk about culture. Fantastic, Coach. I like that. Have courage. Uh, you know, one of the things that I tell people most of the time is that f- you fear, we don't want to have that whole mentality of fear, uh, but it is real and we do have Absolutely. to face it. Uh, but when you feel fear, have the courage to overcome it. It's not that it doesn't exist, because some people say, "Well, fear doesn't exist." Mm. Wow, you're you're the robot, or you're a lunatic if you have no fear in life. You, there's tons of healthy fears in life, you know. I'm swimming, in, I'm swimming, I'm swimming down at South Padre Island or somewhere, and I see a shark. I'm not going to say that's not real. That's not really happening. I'm just going to stand right here, and I'm not afraid. No, I'm going to move. I'm going to run. I'm going to swim. Do whatever I can to get out that path. So you know what I mean, Coach. Like I love that half courage because fear yeah. is sometimes uh, an agent of uh, growth, and it helps Absolutely. us to figure it help, helps us to figure some things out that we did not know about ourselves.
1: So you're you're exactly right, and, and we you know we we talk about fear as well. We talk about being uncomfortable. You know, we're yeah. so we're so driven to just be in our comfort zones. And <laughs> you know, the other thing we talk to them about is is you know being able to accept losing. You know, you're you're not always going to win. You may oftentimes come out on the losing end more anything else, but the lessons you learn, you know, are going to be so valuable that you can look back and and evaluate and find out what did we do that led to that, that we can potentially correct moving forward. And so these are all things that we
0: are constantly trying to talk to our team about. And, uh, you know, I, I like the direction we're headed. Fantastic, coach. Now, during this time, you know, COVID, uh, social injustice, you know, all the all these things, I mean, never mind the presidential election. But, you know, not being able to be out on the recruiting trail as well for for some time, and and being able to get your eyes on players. uh, How have you coach become more either innovative or resourceful during this time? You know, I I think it,
1: resourcefulness again goes back to you know wh- what is your network, and mm-hmm. I think in coaching your network is is always huge. Yeah. You know who who can you trust? Who's giving you information? And so, you know, we we relied on the phone quite a bit uh, in terms of you know asking about players and, and getting information. I love that these tournaments have now started broadcasting these games, and you yeah. can watch online. But as you know it's not the same. It's hard to sit and watch. You know, you can't really tell his foot speed, what it needs to be height, those type of things. And so that's been a little bit of a challenge, but you know, it, it's, it's something that everybody has had to overcome, not just us. So it's a, it's a, it's a even playing field for everybody else. And yeah. so we're, we're really heavily relying on, on connections and networking. And we may be in a little different situation than other programs in that we only have one senior this year. And so we haven't really been as aggressive looking at this 21 class simply because we only have to replace one player. Yeah. And now with the new NCA eligibility rules where everybody basically gets their year back, to be honest with you, I don't know that we'll even sign a 21, Wow. Um, but we have the potential to sign one. Um, but we could have everybody returning, uh, you know, and so it, it just goes back to even if, if COVID wasn't in, you know, in play right now, you're always going to rely on, on your your network and, and the people that, that you know. And so that's what we've continued to do is work the phones, probably like every other coaching staff across the country has been doing. And so, you know, moving forward, that's something that we'll continue to do. But I think even more so now, being able to pick up the phone and call somebody is something that we're all having to rely on tremendously.
0: For sure. Those uh, call me if you need anything uh, phrases are going <laughs> to mean a lot. Uh, Absolutely. You know, uh the relationships that you've built. Because when you talk about networking, you have to build the relationships in within that network. Otherwise, it's only as strong as your BSing. Uh, you know, for lack of better terms, uh, you know, those relationships go far. And you said yeah, like what you said about trust, learning who to trust. Because trust is not just for you to trust your players or your players to trust them. But those whom you surround your program with, uh, you know, you're, who you're connected to, has to be trustworthy. Otherwise, you know, all kinds of things can go wrong. You get bad intel, you know. Yeah. So yeah, fantastic. I like how you how you're doing it, coach. Because I hear a lot of other coaches doing the same thing, and I tell parents all the time. There's even even right now. If there's any parents listening. You have to be able to trust people to help you navigate through this time because. Like you talked about coach one senior everybody gets to come back uh, man and and it's, and it's going across the board even to division three where everybody's getting their year back and so high school players are it said it's at a premium to be able to play at the next level so yeah good stuff coach really really good stuff now as far as you're at there at AM a- a- Kingsville as far as for where you're at I should say how do you feel you had value overall? You know,
1: I think the biggest thing, it just comes down to, I guess, who I am individually. And I've just always had very much a, you know, just a blue collar mentality about me and and the way that I do things. And so I think, you know, my biggest value here is that I'm going to work hard at whatever it is that I'm doing, whether it's recruiting, whether it's coaching, whether it's being out in the community, whether it's mending relationships Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm a team player. And I think that's one thing a lot of people here on campus have found out about me is if if you ask me to do something and if I'm available to do it, I'll do it regardless of of what it is. If I've got to go speak to this group or speak to that group, or if I've got to go pick up trash on the side of the road for an organization, I'm willing to do it. And so I'm such a relationship driven person that their relationships are huge to me. And so anytime I can get out and meet people and talk to people that's something that i want to do and uh you know i've I've thoroughly enjoyed my time here i I like our administration i think everybody is on the same path and uh, just honestly just blessed that i had the opportunity to come here but i think one thing that people here can easily say about me is that i'm all in when it comes to texas a&m university kingsville
0: fantastic coach that's that's uh, man to have buy-in and everybody being, have the same shared vision for the betterment of not just the town for the young people who, you know, attend the school will go out into the world and create change or, or something or something. They're, you know, I look, I look at these generations coming along and although sometimes it feels like they could be more assertive or more aggressive they've got this ability to manufacture creativity that I just think, wow, that's pretty cool, man. I didn't think about that. I didn't, you know, and they have more tools, resources than maybe we had, but they know how to use them. And so that's great that y'all provide that because uh, the future needs that. And I think that's what we're talking about ultimately when we talk about working with players and recruiting players, and it's all about the future. It's all about their future. And so, that's fantastic. Now, I wanna ask you about yourself, Coach, and that uh, personally. Why do you do what you do? What is your why?
1: You know, I think it goes back to, you know, how I got into coaching and, and, you know, how I was introduced to the game is, you know, I had high school coaches that had a vested interest in me that wanted to see me succeed. And, you know, I think that, I chose this path or maybe this path was chosen for me, uh, because it's my opportunity to give back and to help influence and, you know, right the ship, if you will, for, for individuals. know, obviously I coached high school boys for 10 years and man, I still have great relationships with some of those players. And I've had the, you know, opportunity to coach collegiately now for 15, 16 years and still have great relationships with those players. And so, um, you know, any opportunity I have to make a difference and, you know, to work with with this young group that's coming up, I, I want to take that opportunity. And so I, I was just blessed to have coaches that, you know, wanted to help, that were always there, that were so influential, that were so positive. And that's hopefully the same thing that I'm doing as well. And, you know, I think the fact that I still have strong relationships that I, with players that I coached many, many years ago, I think speaks to the fact that I have done it the right way. I have done a good thing. And so, um, you know, just again, looking forward to continuing to do this and, and recruit more players. And, uh, you know, the scary thing now is a lot of players I'm recruiting now are my age. And so it's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I feel old and I don't know that I am, but I feel old. And so, you know, it, coaching has changed quite a bit recruiting has changed quite a bit you know everybody always talks about you know, the, the kids I hate to say kids the young men the young women have changed quite a bit and they have but I also think that comes down to we need to change and kind of get out of our comfort zones as coaches and evolve and adapt and you know so that we can continue to help them because you know, they have so much coming at them now. We didn't have social media. We didn't have all these other pressures and things that they have now. And so we've yeah. got to find ways to relate to them. And I think that's one thing that I I do a really good job of is I can try to figure out some way to relate to them. But just want to make a difference and, and help someone, you know, mm-hmm. attain whatever goals they want to attain, you know, whether it's high school, college or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, no, Coach, I like what you're saying there. <laughs> As far as coaches and and how we need to constantly seek growth in our own lives, uh, break out of those, uh, uh, you know, uh, my four walls and that's all that matters uh, kind of mentality. And uh, because I think for too long, when it it comes to the the idea of offering a, a young person a scholarship, it feels like we have the upper hand or coaches have the upper hand to a degree. And that in no way is true because we saw at the onset of COVID, you know, in in February, March, whenever it was, you do not have, if you do not have players, you do not have a job. And so that puts a lot of perspective into what's really going on, like, you know. I've heard some people say oh, in the education field, man, if it wasn't for the kids, this job would be perfect. Like, what are you talking about? We we are here because of the kids. If you don't have the kids, you don't have a job. And that's in education. And I think the same goes for coaching. And you exactly. really have to have a perspective on here again the why, like you talked about helping people, you know. Uh yes, doing the best for them and doing the best by them. Uh so yeah good stuff. Now, coach, I want to ask you about your heritage because, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of times I hear from a lot of different coaches and, and, and I'm listening and, you know, certain, certain, uh, backgrounds and certain races and ethnicities are talking about the opportunities they don't get. Uh, but I want to ask you about your heritage coach. How important is your heritage to you? You know, it, it it's huge. And,
1: you know, I'm, I don't know that I'm a little bit different, but, you know, growing up in New Mexico, single parent household, you know, um, I only knew grandparents on my father's side and obviously they passed away when I was younger, but, you know, they spoke Spanish, didn't speak a whole lot of English. My mom, you know, was bilingual. And, you know, unfortunately growing up, I was around them quite a bit and could speak and, and understand, you know, a little bit of Spanish. And then my mom moved us away to a different community and only spoke English to me. So that's one thing As I've gotten older that that has been frustrating for me. Um, but you know, in terms of family, that's one of the biggest things with, with, you know, our heritage that, that I feel is important is family is so vital and you know, you always want to be there for your family and help your family and protect your family. And that's kind of the the mantra honestly that I've taken on as a basketball coach as well. And that's one of the things that we talk to our players about all the time is we, this is a family environment. You know, we, we cry together, we, we, we cheer for one another. Um, You know, the loyalty side of, of, you know, our heritage is huge. We're extremely loyal uh, individuals. And that's one of the things that that I bring to our program and that I bring to my family as well is, you know, we're loyal to one another and and we're going to, fight tooth and nail for one another. And and that's the same thing that I carry on within our program. And so, you know, we we have a young daughter and and she's about to turn four. And and anytime I can go back to New Mexico and go up to Santa Fe and and Mm -hmm. Taos and and those places like that and take my wife up there and just enjoy the cuisine and and the culture of of New Mexico, which is a little different from other areas. Um, You know, I take her up there, but my wife will tell you a funny story that when she met me, she'll say that I was a Mexican food snob that, uh, you know, I I don't eat Tex-Mex. You know, when I grew up, when I grew up in New Mexico, everything was red Chile or green Chile. And like you put it on every single thing (laughs) you can eat. And, uh, she, she tells everybody, don't ask him to take you to a Mexican food restaurant because he won't do it. But man, anytime (laughs) we can go up there and, and eat, and that's something that's important to me. And, you know, my wife, uh, you know, she lets me, make some red chili and green chili and the enchiladas and the pozole and everything like that. And uh, I still kind of feel like I'm at home a little bit, even though that I'm not, but uh, you know, I just want to make sure, especially for my daughter growing up um, that I can take her back to where I grew up and she can see the small community that I grew up and around the people and and just kind of the culture that I grew up in. It's a little bit different than maybe down here in South Texas.
0: Yeah, no, roots, man. Your roots are everything in a sense. Maybe not everything to the degree that it shapes uh, thoughts, actions, emotions, but definitely to the point where it's like, I'll never forget where I came from because um, I'm I'm never going to be too big for that. never going to be too greater than that. Um, I am who I am because of those who are in my life and sometimes the environment that I grew up in, you know? Good or bad, that yeah. goes both ways, man. And so I think that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, I, you talk about Santa Fe, man. I love Santa Fe. I mean, you, it's beautiful. You talk, yeah, you talk about a place you don't want to leave. Uh, that's one of them. And uh, that red and green chili is something serious there in New Mexico. That's not, <laughs> that's not a joke. I, I, I've heard it from every person that I know from there. It's like everywhere you go, you, you, it's, man, any restaurant. If they don't have it or, you know, and then there's like a war between we only use red here. We only use green here, like right. That's crazy to me, and it's awesome though, because Texas, we have the same hangups and sometimes almost to a ridiculousness degree. But uh, good stuff, coach. yeah, the uh, the loyalty part of what we experience through our lifetime uh, is so huge, and, and sometimes it goes a little too far, but we understand why it's that way. We understand that uh, our heritage is built on better life. For everybody that's involved, it's about opportunities uh, that we may not have had from from where we came from, and and I think that's the that's the immigrant story, and and we've experienced it, and we've kind of lived through it vicariously, maybe through our parents or our grandparents, like you said. Uh, however, it, it's still us; it's still part of Absolutely. us. Absolutely, fantastic stuff, Coach. Now, kind of staying on topic. Uh, But off topic in a way, uh, as a Hispanic coach and a leader, you know, because you're a leader of young women, you're a leader of men, too, I'm sure. It's not one of these things where I'm a women's coach, so I can't ever lead a a male. Like, no, you're a leader no matter what. Uh, What does representation mean to you?
1: You know, it's interesting, you know, growing up, you want to find people to idolize, to look Mm -hmm. up to, to see that you know, he made it or she made it. And so I, I just, I, I take it very serious. The platform that I have that, you know, being a, a Hispanic male and, and being able to be the, the head coach of a collegiate women's program is that, you know, maybe there's a little boy or there's a little girl that comes to one of our games or comes to a practice or comes to a camp and they can you know look up to me and say, man, he did it. Look, look where he's at. That, that's potentially something that I can do. And so, you know, that's important to me, it's important to me to, you know, to, to be that person that they need, because growing up, oftentimes, you don't have that person. And again, it goes back to my roots and where I grew up in New Mexico, having, you know, strong Hispanic men and women who were our coaches that portrayed this and, and that's who they were, you know, that's, that's who they were. And so that's, that's kind of what has helped me as terms of representation is just knowing that there may be somebody out there that I can reach, that I can touch, that I can help. And so, you know, again, anything that I can get involved in, whether it's a boys and girls club or anywhere that I can go speak, that I can help with groups, I would love to do that. We actually had a a group come up from the Valley to one of our games as a group of young women. And after the game, their coach asked me, you know, if I could speak to them. So they came in the locker room and, and You know, just wanting this young group, young men and women to know that there are opportunities and there's nothing wrong with having goals and having dreams and and you can certainly attain that. And yes, you you know, you may have a little bit of failures along the way, but that doesn't mean you have to stop. And so anything that I can do to to help uh, promote and and provide for, for anyone, I would love to do it. And uh, really, really take you know my platform very, very serious in terms of just helping this this young group you know get to those
0: points. Yeah, I think I think you're, what you're kind of unfolding is really important because I, here again had the same experiences as a young as a kid. You know, those who my parents kept us around, a, you know, because of our church, in particular a diverse group of people the side of town I grew up on was diverse. Nobody was affluent, nobody had too much. Everybody just had enough, it was blue collar. We were all working, everybody was doing the most and the best for their family. And I saw African-American people, I saw white people, I saw Hispanic people, I saw Asian people in my life. And so I didn't see anything other than, you know, authority figures adults as people who were i could be like you what do you do i could do that because you're doing it it was kind of based on relationships and and just you know honoring them because i knew them for so long as adults here getting authority figures my parents always taught me to respect authority figures but then when it came to coaches and and people that i wanted to emulate it was like wow if they can do it i can do it that representation meant something all of a sudden there it, something clicked in my head. It was like, Oh, you don't have to be this ethnicity to do this. You, I can do it. Uh, you know? And so, yeah, you know, when I saw, saw that, it just, it really, I don't know. It was a eureka moment and I, and I really have, uh, gravitated towards that. So here again, coach, thank you for sharing that because it, it, it influenced me to have that experience and so I can't imagine what it'll do for another generation and another generation and, and so on and so forth. Now, I want to ask you about mental health because I, I relate everything to mental health in my own life because I care a lot about what people are thinking. I care about how they're thinking, how they're processing information, how they're processing uh-huh. their emotions and, and whatnot. So I want to ask you, Coach, You know how important is mental health You know, given everything that's happening in society right now, uh, in your experience.
1: You know, mental health obviously has has always been extremely critical in all aspects, especially now more than ever with COVID. And, you know, you have, you know, parents who are normally at work and their children are at school. Well, now you have them all at home together, and that's something that, that usually does not happen. Uh, you know, you have college students who normally are at college, but now they're at home because their university maybe is just 100% online. And so, you know, we, we are constantly checking on our players, asking them, you know, do you need anything? And we tried to zoom with them as much as we could, especially this summer throughout some things that were going on. Um, you know, we, we just got out of a, a 14 day quarantine And, you know, for these college students to be, you know, in isolation or be quarantined in their rooms uh, is tough because they are very, you know, they're very much social butterflies. They want to get out, especially (laughs) if you're a freshman, you want to get out and meet people and mingle and and do different things. And so we've made it a point to be checking on them, whether it's, you know, a phone call, whether it's a text message, a group message simply because these are times right now where, you know, it can get pretty dark for, for people based on what's going on in our society right now. And, you know, I, I also think, you know, when, again, it goes back to our, our have courage and vulnerability is you also have to understand, hopefully that you can speak to people and you don't have to bottle everything in. And so we're just always trying to empower our players to, you know, talk talk get your feelings out there you know i know that it's tough and it's challenging and not everybody wants to do that and you know not only just our players but just society in general but i think the more that we can talk and that we can share uh with one another i think one of the first things we'll find out is we're not the only ones maybe going through this situation there are a lot Mm -hmm. of other people that are going through this um and so you know making it okay to to be vulnerable is is one of the biggest issues. You know, as men, that's tough for us. You know, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to cry. We're not supposed Mm -hmm. to, they were scared or nervous or stressed. We're supposed to be, you know, big, tough guys. And there's nothing wrong with that. And just, I just think we need to be very, very accepting of others. When we know somebody's going through a situation and encourage them to talk and it'll make things a lot easier, but you know, we're just, we're, we're at a crossroads here in a lot of different ways in our country and and different things that are going on and and, you know my hope and prayer is that we can all just really lean on each other and help each other get through some of these battles.
0: Yeah, no. I I love what you're saying. There's got to be a collective effort and and coming together um, is much better than relying on other people to tell us how to do that. If we do that on our own we're not gonna have to be subject to being told how to do things, how to interact as people. Uh, If we're vulnerable, those who are closest to us, we can all support each other because that vulnerability turns into strength at the end of the day. So where you're weak, all of a sudden this strength shows up. And from somebody else, like, I look at it that way. Where I'm weak, you could be strong, you know? Where I don't have the courage you may be able to coach me up to it where I don't think highly of myself. You may see something in me that I don't see. And it encourages me to be more, to do more, to have confidence and faith myself. So, yeah, that's that's big stuff, coach. It's really big, big life. Forget about sports and anything else going on. That's so huge, you know, and I think that's what, uh, man, if you can get that across to your players and those who you have influence over, Coach, you're, you're doing the most and you're doing the best. So uh, I appreciate that that perspective. Now, I want to ask you about yourself because we've talked about different things that you've come to terms with or you learned about yourself, but what other things, Coach, have you learned about yourself throughout your career?
1: And I think one of the biggest things is I've learned that I'm, I'm, I'm extremely diverse. Uh-huh. Um, and not just diverse in the fact that I, I can intermingle with different, you know, ethnic groups or, or you know, races or whatever it may be. But just from a career standpoint, if you look at where I've been, I've had to recruit and work at different variety of institutions. You know, for instance, working at Lubbock Christian, you know, obviously it's a Christian school. So you're recruiting, you know, a certain type of player yeah. to that university. Well, I go from... Lubbock Christian University to then Texas Woman's University, which is like ninety percent females, mm-hmm. and you know in a a very um, you know diverse area in Denton, Texas. Uh, and so now you're recruiting to you know a university that you know, doesn't have football, doesn't have a lot of males on campus. So then your your perspective changes a little bit in the type of recruit you're targeting. Uh, and then I go from there to Paris Junior College, which is a mm. small little town up in East Texas. Yeah. And you're trying now to recruit players to a, a small little community college. Uh, and then I go down to Houston and now you have, you know, my gosh, you're in just this melting pot of a, of a city yeah. where you have the opportunity to recruit multiple players from different backgrounds and areas. And, you know, probably one of the most challenging was the two years out at El Paso at UTEP only because there's so much stereotype when you hear El Paso <laughs> because it's a border community. Yeah, yeah. And unless you've been there and you understand how amazing that city is, you don't really know. Yeah. Um, and so, and then, you know, coming here to Texas a M. Kingsville, uh, which is a division two school. And so, one thing I've learned about myself is I've got a really solid background of diversity in terms of the type of players I've recruited to different universities. Um, But just, you know, the ability to, to be able to work in different environments and work with different people. I think sometimes you can just get pigeonholed where you're just so used to working in, you know, this group, but you don't really understand how to work with this type of group. And so uh, I think that's one thing as I look back on my career and I look at where I'm at now. It's, that's something that I won't change. And I'm really excited about is I've had so many different experiences and so many different situations that it's kind of made me who I am. And so through the recruiting process, now I can talk about a variety of things because I've been able to recruit to different areas, to different universities, to different situations that I think helps me maybe be a little more relatable, uh, in certain ways
0: yeah that's fantastic what you're talking about you know being diverse uh, coach not just in experience and like you said recruiting but sometimes it helps you to be diverse in thought uh, because you know I think um, I think sometimes you talked about pigeonholing yourself we're so used and comfortability is part of it too the inability to change with the times or with the 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 environments that we're in, when you can't have diversity in thought, like I'm not open to your perspective. I'm not open to your beliefs. I'm being somewhat intolerant in the nicest way possible. I just don't want to hear it. You know, you break out of that whole idea. Like you don't have to take everybody's belief system as your own to get along with them, but you do have to understand them. If you want to, be getting along with them for a while you know that that to me it's always been uh, one of the biggest things uh, Stephen Covey said so, you know seven habits uh, would, one of them is uh, seek to understand before being understood and I think that diversity helps you to do that and I think that's, sure. that's it's just a strong point and and it's a it's a weapon in the most positive term possible to use that term it's a weapon because uh, too many people, only see what they want to see and know what they want to know. And they're completely, completely closed off to any other views in life. So that's great coach. Fantastic stuff. Now, my last question is always about legacy coach. And, uh, although I know you still got a long ways to go is not, one of these deals where we're saying, well, you know, it's been good, but, you know, it's not It's not like Kingsville called me and they're like, hey, you know, could you could you interview him? Because we're about to let him go. It's nothing yeah. like that. But it's 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 to say <laughs> looking forward, like, what you know, how do you want people to view you and, and, and how are you doing that work now to get there? You know what I mean? So, coach, I would ask you this. What would you want people to say about you when your career is all said and done? You know, I, I think it
1: goes back to, you know, my leadership style and you know, my leadership style is basically lead by example. You know, I, I, I firmly want to be the hardest working person in the building, in the gym, whatever it may be, that, that's just who I am. And so I think our players, you know, know that I work hard, that I take great pride in working hard. And I hope that that's something that, that people would say about me. Uh, at some point in time, you know, just again, leadership, just having a selfless attitude, knowing that, you know, if I've got to go, you know, jumpstart a car for a freshman at, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning, I will be there at 5 30 or whatever <laughs> it may be. is. so, you know, just, just my hardworking mentality, my selfless attitude, my, my leader by example mentality, um, you know, I, I just hope that when they look back and, and they say, you know, he. He was in it for the right reasons. He was always there. He was always working extremely hard and, you know, was always wanting to build and and relationships with us. And so, you know, I've been blessed to to be a part of coaching staff that have just been incredible that I've learned so much from and and hopefully I can take bits and pieces from people and, and, you know, become who I am. I know I still have a long way to go, uh, but I work at it daily, read a lot of books, try to get better. And uh, just continuing to look forward to this journey that, that I've been blessed to be on so far.
0: Coach Madrid, I do appreciate your time, man, so much, your story, your experiences. And, and thank you so much for, here again, making the time to be with us.
1: Mike, I appreciate the opportunity, man, and look forward to, to meeting you face-to-face someday. Maybe yeah. we can, I'll, I'll bring you some, uh, some good New Mexico food up and we can hang out in San Antonio.
0: For sure. Or we can meet up at, uh, what is it called? King's, uh, at seafood King's Place. Inn. yeah. King's it. Yeah. There we go. King's Inn. Let there. Me know. Yeah. I've been there a couple of times and I just I always marvel at the stack of fish that they put in front of <laughs> you. Cause it's like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you eat it and you feel like you have to go run a couple of miles. Yeah. Right? You, go, you, you, just jump, yeah you just jump to the water right there and go swimming, swim it off real quick. <laughs> but, uh, good stuff, coach. Thank you so much appreciate you Mike thank you all so very much for listening to the creative coaching podcast I love what I'm doing and I love the fact that you're listening so you follow us on twitter at creative coach 47 leave feedback via uh, iTunes and rated and all that good stuff so we can look nice and pretty on there and uh, you know just leave feedback I want to hear from you all because I appreciate you taking the time and making the time to, to listen in so here again thank you so very much